The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Monday, January 29th, 2024, as we bring you a new episode. In this show, we will take a look at the Chicago White Sox 2024 Zips projections, and folks, they are not pretty. As Jim recently wrote on SoxMachine.com when the projections were first released on Fangraphs, last year's projections were not exactly pretty either. Only third base and center field, however, are where the White Sox met or exceeded their Zips projections. Last year, we were debating about the projections for Oscar Colas and White Sox right field being too low at 0.5 war. The White Sox right fielders were way worse, finishing with negative 3.8 war. Yikes. So how did the 2024 projections look for the White Sox? Well, joining us is our best friend of the show. It's Dan Zaborski. And Dan, thanks for coming back on the show. Always fun. Uh, I see you're back from vacation. I hope you had a good one. It was very fun. Again, I recommend, highly recommend visiting New Zealand and Australia. The jet lag is serious. So uh, that's just something to prepare for. And I was hoping that the Zips projections would be released before I left. But I think you did everyone a favor in the White Sox fandom and having the White Sox go last. And because uh, when you look at these Zips projections, you start with this sentence on fangraphs.com. Quote, in a certain way, this team is a bit more depressing than the Oakland Athletics, end quote. <laughs> uh, in what ways you think that this current White Sox roster, which Dylan sees as we record, is still on the team, more depressing than the Oakland A's? Well, I mean, the A's are a pretty dreadful team, but on some level, when you look at them and you're a fan of the team, you know that that the ownership is kind of, you know, screwed over the team in, in many, many ways. Uh, when you look at the White Sox, you think, you know, they don't necessarily appear to know that they're a bad team and they seem to be trying or they think they are. And that's kind of the worrisome thing because that's like what the Rockies did for a long time. Uh, they've 
they've kind of shown indications that they are aware that uh the the the, the drastic position that they're in but I don't think the White Sox necessarily know how lousy things are. And it could be they know internally and just are putting a happy face on it, of course. Yeah, I mean, are they teetering the edge of being delusional about how their team feels going into the season? Because recently, Nicky Lopez, which I think at this moment any projection model would say is the probable starting second baseman of the Chicago White Sox, told... White Sox beat reporters at a boys and girls club event on the south side of Chicago that he is like printing tweets for those discounting the 2024 Chicago White Sox. And he's making a bulletin board and, uh, you know, this type of material when you're putting out projections or other projection systems or our commentary on SoxMachine.com with the season previews coming up. I expect a few more tweets from us are going to be on that bulletin board. Like, do do you think the White Sox are teetering on that edge of being delusional and and how they feel going to 2024? Or is there a glimpse of hope when you run all of the thousand season projections for the White Sox? Well, let me let me put it this way. Did you watch The Office? <laughs> yes, I did. The American version. Yeah. Did you do you remember an episode called Scott's Thoughts? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, that was cringe. <laughs> okay, well, the White Sox are Michael Scott. Hmm. Does that explain it? I hope. Yeah, it it does. <laughs> For it those does. who aren't who knows who haven't seen The Office, Michael Scott, the socially awkward Steve Carell character of The Office. He promised children that if they stayed in school, he would buy them all college. He'd pay for them all to go to college uh, because Michael Scott had this delusional belief that in 20 years he would become a billionaire or something, uh, which did not happen. And the whole episode is him trying to avoid telling the children that he can't pay for any of them to go to college. And it was the most cringy thing ever. And White Sox right now feel like that. Now, if they do have a great season, obviously there will be a lot of people noting that to me, uh, like the 2021 Giants, who I heard a lot about for about a year after that. Uh, but this team, it doesn't look great, and there's not a great deal of short-term upside. So let's start with the good, and that is Luis Robert Jr. So the Zips projections are 28 homers, 89 RBIs and 543 plate appearances with a 121 OPS plus, which again means that he's going to be 21% better than league average offensively. And Robert does not turn 27 years old until August. So what does a peak season look like for Luis Robert, Dan? Do you think he can exceed his value from last year in which he finished as a five-war player on fan graphs? I think... 2023 probably is near where his peak is likely to be. Uh, obviously, it's not the kind of thing he'll do every season, uh, but he does have a good chance of, you know, beating that one or two years by at least some margin. The follow-up to that, Dan, like, if 2023 is his peak, like, I had hopes that maybe Robert could challenge at his prime Mike Trout and being an 8-9-10 war type of player what is preventing Robert from hitting that elite levels of war where very few players attain that type of level? 
I, I think what it comes down to is it's still a challenge for him to have a high on base percentage. And of course, on base percentage is basically half of offense. Uh, like on a good year when he hits 282, 90, he might have, you know, an on base percentage like 330, 340. And of course, he can be very valuable without a high on base percentage. Uh, he had five war last year with a 315 on base percentage. But that kind of keeps you from being in the elite war uh, uh, list. Like if you look at like the five war players last year, only two of them, I believe, had on base percentages below 340. That would be him and Bobby Witt Jr. Now, of course, he doesn't need to have as high an on base percentages as, say, Matt Olson does in order to be a five win player. But uh, it's really hard to do like consistently. And if you want to be an eight or nine war player, you pretty much have to have a pretty good on base percentage, even if it's driven by batting average. The other good is Dylan Cease. So the Zips projections for Cease is projecting 166 innings this upcoming season and 30 starts, a three-war season, a 111 ERA+, plus, so 11% better than league average, and 196 strikeouts. So Cease has got a chance, a good chance, of exceeding 200 strikeouts again in 2024. But I think the biggest question now is we record this episode in late January, Dan. Are you surprised that Dylan Cease is still on the White Sox? I'm not simply because what I've heard, let's say inside baseball, I can't say do, but from multiple sources, the the public belief that the White Sox are asking for an absolutely massive package, that does seem to be the case, uh, at least from private sources I've had inside baseball. And I, I think that, the reality is that when you get cease, you don't get a ton of cease. You don't get four or five years of cease. And that does make a difference. Uh, and the fact is, even if he did not uh, have, you know, as good a season in 2023 as 2022, and his FIP was better than his actual numbers, so it was a little underrated, There's a, there is a source of risk Uh in him. And I think when teams are going to give a massive package for a picture, they want a lot of years and they want relatively relative certainty about a picture's performance. Obviously that's no such thing with a picture, but uh, I, I think that if the White Sox think they're going to get, you know, half of the Orioles top prospects, that's not going to happen. And I don't think anyone's going to. Is that going to change at all in the first half? Let's say by working with Ryan Bannister, cease cuts his walk rate, below 7%, and he is a clear all-star. Do you think that asking price would be met with teams having a higher sense of urgency? They know that they're going to be contending in the second half. They know that they're on the path to being into the postseason. Like, do you, do you see a team eventually caving in during the season before the trade deadline? Unless he goes absolutely nuts, I don't think so, simply because, uh, I mean, there could be a very specific situation which a team overpays. Like, you know, the Yankees are three games out of the division on July 30th and Garrett Cole goes to Tommy John surgery. In that case, you might see kind of an overpay. But I think from a generalized standpoint, teams are going to think, hey, well, now we only get a year and two months of him. We're not going to pay more necessarily a lot more for a year and two months than uh, two years. And the teams that are looking at him now are teams that 
probably expect to be in the thick of it anyway, so it won't be a surprise to them. Again, it depends on the actual what the actual facts on, on the ground at the time, which could lead to an overpay. But I don't think the White Sox should necessarily count on it. Would it be a mistake for the White Sox to have Dylan C start an opening day? Like the idea that he was not dealt in for an organization that's in transition. I, I think it would be uh, because realistically, the White Sox are not going to be a good team this year. Uh I mean, every team does have some kind of a chance. Even the A's will go into the season with non-zero wildcard odds, as, as weird as that seems. But I think the risk with a picture, the risk of something bad happening to him health-wise in four months feels to me as a much bigger risk than the benefit of waiting and hoping the asking price goes up. Uh, I think that, the chances that something goes wrong injury wise or he struggles or walks more batters this year and his price goes down. I think that's very risky for the White Sox because they don't have a lot of tradable assets. They basically have two major leaguers who could fetch a return right now. Uh, they're a little like the Orioles at the start of their rebuild. Uh, and it, that's a tough place to be in. You have to make some hard decisions. More with Dan Zaborski and the 2024 Zips Rejections after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now over to the bad. <laughs> There's a lot of bad when it comes to the White Sox projections. Robert and Cease are the only White Sox players projected to be better than two war in 2024. And I think that pivots the conversation to two players that I liken to ants at a picnic that have accidentally walked across some lighter fluid and fans in media in Chicago are holding magnifying glasses. And that's Yohan Makata and Eloy Jimenez. Like they're, they've lost any runway uh, for, pity support I guess I would call it like everyone's kind of tired of and I think they are tired as well talking about well if I'm healthy I know that I can produce 
But I think that there's a pretty significant trust factor for everyone in Chicago that Mikata and Jimenez can be healthy. And for Zips, Zips is only projecting 14 homers, 55 RBIs for Yohan Mikata in 2024 with a 1.7 war season. And for Eloy, who recently was on the foul territory show with AJ Brzezinski and made the proclamation that if he stays healthy, he could hit 40 or more homers. Zips is projecting just 21 homers for Eloy with 71 RBIs at a 1.4 war season. So for Zips, is health the biggest factor and why it's not forecasting a bounce back season for Mikata or Jimenez, or are there significant flaws with their on-field performance that's holding their projections back? Well, uh, it, injuries are a large part of it. And the thing is that a player who has been injured in the past, even a hitter, tends to be injured more in the future. It's just injuries tend to be predictive in that way. And also the fact is you're talking about these guys now, they're not 23 or 24 anymore. And every time you don't have that big breakout, that big breakout becomes less likely. Uh, it's essentially uh, like think you're playing Monopoly and you have it's you have three rolls to land a, a double six or you have one roll to land a double six. The the longer it doesn't happen, the less likely it is to happen at all. So basically, Jimenez and Mancata have fewer rolls remaining for that upside uh, uh, when they roll that 20 sided die. Uh Obviously, there's no actual 20-sided die. That's just my weird metaphors. But they both, I mean, if they're healthy, I think that they're at least league average players, and that's a plus uh, because you look at their projected war, and a lot of that is due to the number of plate appearances projected. Like 1.7 for, uh, for Jimenez, that's also in fewer than 500 plate appearances. So, you know, he does have a good chance of having a league average season. But, you know, hitting 40 home runs, when kind of having a five war season, these are things that are possible, but they're just a little less likely than they were a few years ago. And you have to realize that, that they're possible, but not the most likely outcome. What do you make of Andrew Vaughn? Because Zips is projecting 24 homers and 83 RBIs, which is fine, but it's not close to the level of production at first base that Jose Abreu, Paul Canerco, or Frank Thomas provided. Yeah, the, the thing about him is we're still waiting for that offensive breakout. Uh, Zips had been a little more hopeful in the previous, well, like last season, uh, because he did have going into 2023, there were some things to like in his hit ball data, but that didn't really improve too much in 2023. Uh, so the fact is, I mean, he, again, he's, you can't use the excuse that he has no minor league experience or he has little minor league experience and they've bumped him from a ball to the majors anymore. He's now basically played nearly three complete seasons in the majors. Uh, he's going to be 26 by the time the season starts. There's still offensive upside there, but the chances of him becoming a star are, are pretty weak, especially because he didn't turn out to be a great first baseman either. Uh, a better first baseman than a corner outfielder, but he's going to give away some runs there, it looks like, too. Great combination. Uh, <laughs> so on the and we're st we're still in the relatively optimistic part of the projections. These are the projections of guys who could be league average players. Yeah, because it gets yeah, worse. I mean, yeah, on the position player side, like Andrew Benatendi, he was awful last year, and he told beat reporters that he's been lifting four to five times this week, so he's trying to add more muscle mass and see if that helps him in the power department as we 
rarely saw any type of power from Ben Attendee after signing the largest free agent contract in Chicago White Sox franchise history. And then there's up the middle in which the White Sox have replaced Tim Anderson and Elvis Andrews and running with Paul Dion and Nicky Lopez. And then there's the mess in right field. Like, I'm not, there's nothing that the White Sox can do about left field with Ben Attendee. They're on the hook for four more seasons with Andrew Ben Attendee, Dan. But like up the middle and right field. So let's talk about this strategy of trying to be better defensively at short and second base and see if they can gain more value from what was a disastrous season for Tim Anderson last year and Elvis Andrews in the twilight of his career. Do you like this strategy of what the White Sox are doing here with Dion and Lopez up the middle? I mean, there's a trade-off. Uh, when you look at it, uh, having a good defensive middle infield may make the pitching look better because it'll, you know, pre- prevent some runs here and there. But it'll also make the offense look worse. And the fact is the White Sox were 11th in the AL in home runs in 2023, playing in one of the best home run parks in the American league. So the offense could be even worse. Uh, I I think what it comes down to that the white Sox, if they're, they they're kind of in rebuilding mode and they don't seem to fully realize that. So that kind of puts a whole different spin on, on these signings and, and and the trade for Nicky Lopez, uh, because the thing is, these are the kinds of moves they should have been making two years ago when the team had poor depth, but a really solid core and they could compete and they needed those role players to put them over the top when injuries hit. And they didn't do any of that. Now they're getting those role players to put them over the top, but there's nothing to put over the top anymore. Uh, it's These are kind of the right moves made two or three years too late. Uh, so that's, I mean, it's, 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 you know, closing the barn door after the horses are gone and dead and turned into hamburger meat and fed to the kids and the kids have grown up and become uh, anti-horse meat advocates. I mean, that's how late they are on this. Right field. Like, who would you say is the starting right fielder for the White Sox at this moment? I mean, we have Colas in uh, the depth charts uh, and... Normally, I would say that that's crazy. I would think the team would be a little more suspicious about it. But last year, I know we we had this discussion that the White Sox were just going to plug into Cola, plug Colas into right field, and if he and if he imploded and he had a pretty terrible projection last year, the White Sox had no plan B. And it turns out, no, they didn't have a plan B. Uh, so it it could be one of those situations where you know. You see a mess of like Sheets and Phillips and a little Loy Jimenez out there. Uh, one of their random second basemen that they're accumulating might play out there. But it's not going to be good, basically, no matter what happens. So should White Sox fans prepare to see Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos later this season post-trade deadline? I, I think there's a really good chance. And frankly, they make the team more interesting to watch right now. Because the White Sox aren't just a lousy team right now. They're also kind of an uninteresting team beyond a few players. And it would be cool to see Montgomery up and Ramos up and see players who are young and have upside to look at. Uh, that's just that's just where I am with them right now. Uh, I know this is probably our most dour podcast together. Easily. 
<laughs> but it's the, the White Sox are an extremely frustrating team, as I guess you feel, because from this outside observer, they're a team that missed their window and never really lifted the blinds all the way. And now it's too late. It's it there's it's freezing rain outside now. You got to close that window. On the pitching side, this is good for the player itself, but Christian Mena is projected to be the White Sox second most valuable pitcher, which again, that's that's a big surprise. Third is Eric Fetty. Now, Zips has data for Fetty when he was in the major leagues, but how does Zips incorporate KBO performance and its attempt to gauge on how Fetty will fare in his return to the majors, Dan? Well, Zips does translate KBO and uh, Japanese performance and uh, the Cuban League, too. Uh, and that's a good thing for him because the projection without it is much worse. Uh, I believe that without it, his... ERA projection would have been something like 5.70. So his year in, in Korea, where he did keep the walk rate low, uh, he did strike out guys. Uh, that's that's really encouraging. But of course, KBO is also a weaker league overall than uh, NPB is, Nippon Professional Baseball or Nippon. Uh, so I think he might eat some innings for the White Sox, but it's still really up for grabs that he'll actually be good. But I do like this this uh, signing just because of the fact that he, it's someone with upside. Maybe he did figure something out in, in, in 2023 uh, 20, uh, overseas. Uh, you you uh, have pictures that have done that and come back successfully. So I, I'm not as down on this signing. I just wouldn't expect a huge gain from it. Same thing with Chris Flexen and Mike Soroka, right? Like, yeah, not high Soroka. expectations. Uh, Soroka's interesting because he's a reclamation project, and he's kind of the guy that a rebuilding team should look at. Uh, because if you can, you know, if 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 he looks like he's going to be healthy, maybe you work out an extension with him, or you trade him in July because uh, you're you're not that really invested in. You haven't spent like. $50 million on getting him to this point. So I like Soroka and I still am going to confuse him with Sorotka. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're very different pictures, but I just, I keep not, I keep having to catch myself from typing Mike Sorotka in for him. What would you advise the White Sox to do with Michael Kopech? Like there's a part of me that thinks in spring training, I don't think they're going to carry six starters. And if a knee or a back issue flares up for Kopech again, or he just doesn't seem to be sharp during camp, like I'm okay if the White Sox just decide it's probably best if Kopech pitches out of the bullpen. We're going to make that transition now because the White Sox still need bullpen help. What would you, that's my personal preference. What would you advise the White Sox on how to handle Michael Kopech? at least starting the 2024 season. I go back and forth on that a bit because he's a tricky player to kind of get a handle on. I I think that it might simply because of the injury concerns, it might be best to have him stretched out in the bullpen, let him throw two innings here and there in, in decent pressure situations. They'll make him a mop-up guy. Let him show that his command is where it needs to be that he's comfortable, he's healthy. And then I do think that you try to work him back towards the rotation if that's possible, because that's still where his upside's going to be. Uh, but I, 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 
he's such a different it's such a difficult situation that I'm not sure there's necessarily a right answer for that. So I won't fault the White Sox since I can't think of what the right answer is. Yeah, well, I think that's going to be wait and see and how he looks in Glendale. And maybe he's worked on things in the offseason and he quickly generates a relationship with Brian Bannister and along with pitching coach Ethan Katz fixes a lot of those issues that we saw last year. Cause there were times, especially May when he had back to back starts against Kansas city and Cleveland where Kopech was outstanding. And then he would have not bad weeks, bad months uh, that just really sunk his 2023 season. Kopech is still just 28 years old. Uh, so he's still got a little youth left as we know pitchers, seem uh, to last longer than position players in the major leagues, but this is a pretty pivotal season for Michael Kopech. And for a lot of the players for this projected 2024 roster, individually, this is a pretty important season, at least staying power in the major leagues, Dan, because there's so many roster fillers on this team. Hence why I think things are pretty depressing and bleak on the South side baseball wise. However, when you look at all of these zips projections, Yes, there are times that players far exceed their 50th percentile projection. Is there a particular position player or White Sox pitcher projected to be below two war that you think could beat their Zips projections and perform like an average major leaguer or even better than that? Uh, Well, I think a couple of players we've mentioned, Mankata and Jimenez, still have that upside. Uh, I think most of the position players that haven't been mentioned are probably a little too far gone. Maybe Andrew Benintendi. Uh, we'll see. I, I tend not to believe these best shape of their life stories because everyone's in the best shape of their life in, in late January. It just, that seems to how it works. Uh, I want to, I want to see someone report that a picture showed up in the averagest, the averagest <laughs> condition of his, of his career. Uh, uh, and I think that there is a chance that someone like Colson Montgomery tears through the minors and, you know, pushes himself to the team and establishes himself very quickly in the majors. I guess Montgomery and Ramos are the best candidates for that. Uh, Zips, I mean, has been suspicious of of Montgomery in the past, but it's it's growing to like him. His projections have gotten a bit better every year. His long term projections are now quite solid. Uh, we'll still see. He still needs to play in the upper minors more. He still needs to have more professional experience. Uh, but we'll see with him. And I think. Players that are unknown are, are, are what rebuilding teams should look at. Uh, risk is the enemy of a contending team, but it's the best friend of a rebuilding team. Uh, you look for guys who have upside wherever that is. Maybe it's a top prospect like Montgomery. Maybe it's a reclamation project like Soroka. I think that on a fundamental level, a rebuilding team should go into every move and they should be able to ask themselves, does this help us win now? Or does this help us win later? And I think you have to formulate like some coherent response to in the affirmative to one of those questions for anyone, because in that if you can't answer that, then you're kind of wasting the opportunity to look at a guy who might help in the future or might help now. Of course, that's less relevant for the White Sox, but that's that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. And then finally, odds makers are releasing their 2024 MLB win total futures. And in Illinois, DraftKings Sportsbook has set the White Sox over under wins at 63 and a half wins. Hypothetically speaking, based on zips or projections, should fans take the over or under 63 and a half wins for the White Sox, Dan? Over. 
Uh, generally speaking, uh, where the books place, you can usually some of the best opportunities tend to be at the extremes uh, because obviously they set these things to maximize their revenue, not necessarily to be the most accurate. And people will tend to underrate the lousy teams that overrate the good teams. Yeah. I look at this roster and I see 55 and 107. Like that's, that's just how I feel like, and, and I'm assuming cease only plays like half a season. And then, then who knows what type of starting rotation is for the white Sox. Like I, I've got this sinking feeling, Dan, like last year was the worst win loss record season of my lifetime for the Chicago white Sox. My expectation is, is that the 2024 White Sox are going to exceed that. But now that you're saying people should take the over, maybe that changes my mind. I don't know. <laughs> not not much over, but I think from a realistic standpoint, no team is really truly entering a season probably rarely worse than a 400 team or better than a 600 team. Uh, generally speaking, a lot of things have to go wrong. Now, of course... One of the catches is that Dylan Cease could be traded. You knock three wins or so off the off the team's total. And because his replacement would probably be replacement yeah. level, uh that that is kind of that uncertainty. So you're also if you if you take that over under now, you're kind of banking one way or the other that that cease is going or not. Uh, I don't think they're gonna trade Robert. Uh they probably should, but I don't want to get in trouble with with your listeners for that one. Uh, but I'll I'll take the over on that. Not not a huge over, but generally speaking, I under sixty five wins. I I think that you kind of get into that danger category with the projection. Got it. So I understand. So it's it's based on principle. Maybe not so much of what Zip's projections is speaking, but based on principle, take the over. And if they do, that's an improvement. I don't know how the 2024 White Sox would be an improvement over what we were expecting in the 2023 White Sox. But yeah, that, that was a dumpster fire after the trade deadline last year. The White Sox were 18 and 37. Uh, so hopefully they don't continue carrying that winning percentage going to 2024. But you could follow Dan on Twitter, who posts his baseball thoughts and really weird AI generated artwork. <laughs> At D Zaborski and read his always excellent work on fangraphs.com, including the White Sox and every team in Major League Baseball Zips projections. Very handy, especially as fantasy baseball is coming up. Everyone's going to be having their live draft soon. I use this as a great resource. You should too. And Dan, as always, thanks for coming on the Sox Machine podcast. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, this will be our most negative White Sox <laughs> podcast together. Fingers crossed. <laughs> We at Sox Machine have a special event planned on Wednesday night, March 27th at the newly reopened Remova Theater. Along with our friends from the 108, we'll be hosting a live Sox Machine podcast to kick off the 2024 regular season and celebrate opening day. There'll be special guests, giveaways, and plenty of hashtag 108ing as you'll get to mingle with other White Sox fans. This is a seated event where you have to be 18 years or older to attend. Tickets are just $22, which you can purchase at RemovaChicago.com. That's all one word, RemovaChicago.com. And Jim and I, we can't wait to see everyone at our opening day Eve show at the Remova Theater. 
And that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you just discovered the Sox Machine Podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Spotify and Apple Music. For those that listen to the show in Google Podcasts, please note that Google Podcast is going to be sunset and all subscribers of Google Podcasts will be moved over to YouTube, which you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash machine, where we upload the podcast there. And you can also check out some of the videos we have produced. You can follow us on social media. We're on all the social media platforms at Machine, And you can follow me there at Machine underscore Josh. If you enjoy our work and you want more, you can get more by becoming a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine, where our Patreon supporters get exclusive content like the P.O. Sox mailbag. College baseball season is about to start in mid-February, so that's the road of our 2024 MLB draft coverage. That's Patreon exclusive content. So again, if you want more, you can get more, and you can also get ad-free versions of both the podcast and the website by becoming a Sox Machine Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Machine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening and watching. <laughs>